Okay, good morning. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. We are in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. If you need a Bible, raise your hands. Just one verse this morning, just one verse, chapter 6, verse 4, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, just for all of life, Lord, Lord Jesus, you said that you came not only to give us life, but to have it more abundantly, and part of the abundant life, Lord, For many that you have called is family, the life of children, the life of parenting. It's a blessed life, Lord. We thank you for it. With all its blessings and all its challenges, I pray now that you would instruct us by your word that you would encourage us, that you would build us up. Lord, in this verse, that you would show us something about your love for us, both how you discipline us and how you instruct us, Lord, and how all of that is in love. And Father, I pray, Father, I would not be a hindrance in doing what the Spirit, what you want the Spirit to do here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. This is the last in a series uh, on marriage and family that we are... uh, just want to make sure this doesn't pop off in the middle of the message. It's a little tight back here. Yeah, just make sure that's not going to pop off for me. That would be a distraction. Harder, harder, Eric. All right, thanks. The last in a series of six teachings on marriage and family, they're all interconnected. So if... You listen to one, you really need to listen to all of them uh, because uh, they're, they're all drawing on each other. If you listen just to one, you may uh, be uh, confused, you may be offended. Uh, it could be that you're offended because you're supposed to be offended, but you also may be offended because there's something in another message that will bring clarity As we have been mentioning throughout these teachings, marriage, the relationship between husband and wife, and parenting, the relationship between father and mother is a picture of the kingdom of God in all its beauty. Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It says he repeatedly, repeatedly throughout his ministry, anywhere he went, he was teaching about the kingdom of God. It says in Matthew 13 it is believed. He went to all the cities of Galilee preaching the kingdom of God. And so a question that you should be asking, what is the kingdom of God? What is it? And one of the ways that we found out, find out what it is, is are these pictures, these types, these foreshadowings that God has given us, such as marriage, such as parenting, which, if done right, show us, show the world a picture of just the beauty of the kingdom of God, of God in this kingdom. And once you 
There's two pictures of the kingdom. Either you're out or you're in. There's no in-between. And once you're in, it operates by completely different laws. Laws that just, they transcend. It's more than that they're better than the laws of the world. They're, they're, they transcend. They're, they're, lar- they're larger than life. They're larger than laws. And so parenting... We parent right. We parent and we obey the Lord in how we parent. Uh, For our children's sake, of course. But if the focus is on our children, our children is going to suffer. If our family life is focused on our children, they will suffer eventually. Supremely, we parent for God's sake. Supremely, our, our parenting has nothing to do with our children. It has to do with what God wants to do in and through our children and our relationship with our children. And oh, that the fathers and mothers of Calvary Chapel in the city would understand that. Our children themselves will be, the, your children will be the beneficiaries if you do. They're the ones that will ultimately benefit if your focus is not on them, but on God himself. So we're focusing on one verse this morning, verse 4 again. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So here is the, a different translation, which I believe is more accurate. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, meaning re- rebellion, but bring them up in the discipline. The, the word here in the New King James that we have, which is a wonderful translation, um, training is, is really the word discipline. It's a more accurate word. Do not provoke your children to rebellion, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And so this is not saying that you should never do something that will get your children angry. You will, even when you do things right. But if you... If you the idea here is don't treat your children in such a way that they become bitter and reject you and God. That's the idea here. And so last week we put up uh, this version. This is just a breakdown of the verse. Discipline Jesus' way. Now I'm wording it a little different than I did last week. But j- discipline Jesus' way plus instruction Jesus' way. This is Ephesians 6.4, just broken up in a different way equals no rebellion against the Lord Jesus. Now, as we said last week, uh, the best father who ever was and is, Godfather had a child who rebelled, and he did it perfectly. So I am speaking about this only for instruction's sake. Uh, uh, Some of you will do everything right, or rather, I should say, some in the body of Christ do everything right, and their children decide to rebel. Why? They have a free will. When God gave us a free will... He gave us a dangerous thing because we can choose rather than to love him, to reject him. And so um, if you turn this around right here, um, if, you, if you don't discipline Jesus' way and you don't uh, instruct Jesus' way, um, there's, a, there's a greater likelihood your, your children will rebel, but sort of if you turn that around, if you discipline them Jesus' way, and, and if you instruct them Jesus' way, they will embrace Christ. So last week we dis- discussed what discipline was Jesus' way, and this week it's instruction. Instruction, Jesus' way. Again, the verse, Ephesians 6, 4 Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, rebellion, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What does instruction of the Lord, instruction your children Jesus' way, look like? How do you instruct your children about God? How do you do that? The answer, the Bible. You instruct them with the Bible. Now, in every home, there's two Bibles going on. There's two Bibles going on in every home. Bible number one 
is this Bible, the one I'm holding up. Bible number two is you. You are an open Bible. Your life is a Bible to your kids. It's an instruction manual. It's a living Bible. You've heard the expression of people in your community, you're the only Bible they may ever read. Well, you're, you are a Bible that your children do read, your life. So let's talk about number one, this Bible. Pretty long Bible. It's about 1,700 pages, my version. So if you want to instruct your kid Jesus' way, you're instructing them with this Bible. And that means from the time your child is in the womb. You take your Bible and you go right up to that big belly and you start reading the Bible to that baby in the womb. And if you think I'm not being serious, um, you're wrong. I am being serious. You, you start teaching them the Bible from the womb. David said, you, you knew me in my womb, Psalm 139. And I honestly believe something happens when we start reading the Bible aloud. Someone just told me this morning, they walked in all filled with fear. I'm pregnant. Praise the Lord. Start, I won't mention you by name because I, I know it's not public, but in our church it's like a regular thing. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, just go to the nursery if you don't believe it. But, but, <laughs> I, 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 but, but you start teaching, start reading um, to your child right now. Don't wait. As your child grows, make sure you quote scriptures to them. That you talk about the Bible in the home. That you have them memorize verses in the Bible. That you hang scripture around your house. Look at this wonderful verse. I absolutely love this verse. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 and 9. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Teach what diligently? The word of God. The word. This is Moses speaking. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So that is what I have done in my house. I put scripture up on my doorpost. I just type up different verses. I print them up and I tape them over the door, doorpost. Your kids may object. I don't want that in my room. And what do you say to that? It's not your room. It's God's room. It's God's room, it's, and so you, you put it up, and, you know, but we, listen, we try to read scripture to our children each day before going off to school, even today when they're older, in, the, in high school age. You should try to have a family devotion time in your home every week. Our family has it once a week. Some families have it every day. Whatever number of days you choose, you need to fight for that time. You need to fight for it. And I'm not talking about a physical fight. I'm just talking about making it a top priority and, and move everything around else around to make that happen. I will tell you, whatever night you choose, in our family right now, it is Thursday night. It's switched over the years. There will be an all-out war against in the spiritual realm to make sure that family devotion time does not happen. I'm just warning you now. Do not let Satan win that war. Listen, in this very same chapter, chapter 6, there is a description of a war that's going on, particularly against any man or woman who decides to go all out for Jesus and someone who has a Bible study in their home with their children. They are going all out for Jesus. That's not a common thing. That's not normal in the body of Christ, sadly. And it hasn't always been that way, by the way. There was a time when that was normal. That is the normal Christian life, by the way, in the Bible. <laughs> That's the normal Christian life. There's a book by Watchman Nee, fabulous book. Go buy it. It's called The Normal Christian. Here's what normal Christianity looks like. Uh, anyway, go to verse 10 uh, quickly of chapter 6, the same chapter that we're in. It says, finally, my brethren. Remember, they just, he just finished speaking about parenting. When he's saying, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What does wiles mean? Just the tricks, the schemes. 
For we do not wrestle, some translations say fight or war, most say fight. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We have a a book uh, in our uh, bookstore, Watchman Nee. Just mentioned him. Sit, walk, stand. Go buy it. We just got five arrived today. Actually, there were six. One of them's in my hand. Uh, but uh, uh, sit, walk, stand. And the last, it's about, it's the, the whole book, Sit, Walk, Stand, is about the book of Ephesians. In the beginning of Ephesians, it's sitting. In the middle, it's walking. In the end, it's stand. And so, uh, anyway, uh, don't let uh, Satan. Uh, win this war, the last thing he wants to see is a family sitting around a table reading the Bible together. That's the last thing he wants to see. So fight for the time. And listen, it's not easy. It's not easy. Let me tell you, with five kids, I mean, when they're younger, they're sitting around the table, they're pulling each other's hair, they're poking each other, they're flicking each other and, and, and jumping up from the table, running after the dog. And, 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 and there will be times when I thought, what possible good is this doing? That's God's business. You just persevere. There's going to be craziness. There's going to be messiness. You just fight on. It's a fight. And the good news is in the Bible, we'll promise who wins the fight. So, that's number one. Instruction Jesus' way, it's the Bible. Two Bibles in your home, this one, and the other one is the open Bible of your life. I'm going to spend the remainder of our time on that one. The open Bible of your life. 2 Corinthians 3.2 says this. Paul says to the Corinthians, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Listen, like it or not, your life is a letter, and it's known and read by everybody. People just read your letter all day as you walk by them. First and foremost, your children. You know, with others, you can try to make the title page differently. You know, books do that. They write some title page to try to make you read it, and then you start reading it. Well, what's this about? Nothing about the title page. Your kids, your kids however, they're just going to be able to read that letter. So what does the letter say? Does the letter scream out, I'm a Christian in name only? I go to church and play make pretend, but the rest of the week I do what I feel? Is that what the letter says? Is that what the letter of your life reads like to your children, or is, it, is your life like an open Bible, meaning are your children learning the Bible by observing your life? Are they learning the Bible? Well, if your life is an open Bible, your life should look like different verses throughout the Bible. And I'm going to go through eight of those verses. So if you're taking notes, get ready. Your life is an open Bible. This is instruction Jesus' way. Why do we do this? So that they won't rebel, so that they will embrace Christ when they leave the home. You've heard all the statistics, I'm sure. 80% of kids who grow up in church leave. After they leave the home, now many do come back, but many don't. But there's instruction in the Bible of how to avoid that from happening. And so, that's in the instruction is in verse 4 of the, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Your life is an open Bible. One of the verses in the Bible uh, is Isaiah 43.10, quickly and over the years, actually over the last few years, has become one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Everyone who is called by my name, that would be you. Everyone. In the dictionary, that means everyone. Who is called by my name, I created for my glory. Ever wondered why you were created? Read Isaiah 43. 
has seven or eight specific reasons why you're created. Here there's two. One, they were created for my glory. Number two, so that they may know and believe me and understand that I am he. So that they will know and believe me and understand that I am he. That word know and believe me, that word know, there's that In the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, there's the sense of intimacy. In fact, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, the Hebrew word there, yada, says, Adam knew Eve and Cain was conceived. There's an intimacy with God. Everyone who has been called by my, my name, I've created them so that they may have intimacy with me. You can't do that without being in the Word. Of God. We've had at least two parenting workshops over the years. Both of them, I began by saying this to the parents. And it's hard saying things like this. I said, Look, if you're not willing to spend regular time in the Word of God, you're wasting your time at this workshop. Because we can give you all the good parenting wisdom in the world, but if you're not in the word, if you're not in the word, developing your relationship with God, doing this verse, you're not going to have the desire to do anything that's in the Bible that instructs parents. You're not going to have the desire to do that because your life will be all about me. My life is about me, and 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 it won't be about serving your children. Nor will you have the power to do them. With our time in, with this intimacy, it says everyone who's called by my name, I've created that they may know and believe me that, that, that intimacy, that's where you're drawn the power. Let me tell you, parenting is one of the most hardest things anyone could ever do. And without the power of God, it's either going to crush you or you're just going to run away from it. Or try to make pretend to everyone that you're in it, but you're really not. You're avoiding it. You need to be in the word of God. Psalm 127.1 says this, very well-known verse, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers, the builders labor in vain. I mean, you'll try to, if you try to build your house without God, without that intimacy relationship with God, eventually it's going to crumble. All, all the labor will have been in vain. You need the Lord to do this glorious work of parenting He's called you to do, just waiting upon Him every day. Go meet with Him. He's waiting for you. Go to that place. You know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My father and mother came uh, to Christ around the time I was a senior in high school. And I remember coming home from the senior prom. It was five in the morning. And there was my father studying the Bible. And I was shocked. And I can't tell you the effect that this had on me. My father was not someone to get up early. He wasn't a late guy or an early guy. He was a very hardworking New England worker guy. But when I saw him, (laughs) 
when I saw him reading the Bible, it gave me a sense of security I hadn't known before. Wow. So Isaiah uh, 43 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children. Could you grab me some tissue? Father, do not provoke your children to anger or rebellion, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So instructing that your children Jesus' way, your life is an open Bible. One of the verses in the Bible is Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. Look at this remarkable verse. And by the way, none of what I'm saying is done to put you under condemnation or to bring guilt. It's all these verses still speak to my heart. But it says this, but he, did he not make them one? Husband and wife, one. It's talking about marriage here. Did he not make husband and wife one? Having a remnant of the Spirit. And why one? Because he seeks godly offspring. Did he not make them husband and wife one? And why one? Because God seeks godly children. There's another place in the Bible. It says specifically of Abraham. It says, I called you so that you will have godly offspring. God wants children who are following the Lord. How do you instruct your children Jesus' way so that they do not go into rebellion, but rather into a rich relationship with the living God? If you're married, make sure your children understand the most important human being in the house is your spouse. It's not them. It's your spouse. Why did God create marriage in the first place? To show the world the beauty of his kingdom. And when you have kids, first and foremost, it means teaching your kids the beauty of his kingdom through your marriage. So husbands, don't misrepresent God by treating your wife as if she is anything less Then the one she represents in that kingdom, that picture of marriage, the bride of Christ. Wives, don't misrepresent God by treating your husband as if he were anything less than the one he represents in the kingdom, Christ the groom. A few years ago, we were teaching a parenting workshop at church, and I asked our older children, late teens, early 20s, what do you think the most important thing is to teach parents? And the first thing I remember them saying was, uh, the thing that has, the most, has been the most impact on us is, is your love and affection for each other. Now, how crazy is that? The most important thing about parenting is not your behavior towards your children. It, it's, it's your behavior towards your spouse. And listen, time with your kids is very important. But it's not as important as time with your spouse. And so many times in bad marriages, um, the, the spouse will gravitate towards their children. Their, their spouse is blowing them off, so they, they seek identity in, in, rather in their spouse, which they shouldn't be doing in the first place. You should never get your identi identity from your spouse. You should get it only in Christ. But they seek to get it in their children, and that makes the marriage and the family all the worse, and it's a disservice and unloving to your children to do that. But did he not make them one, Malachi 2.15? Why does he do that? Because he seeks godly offspring. So husbands, wives, if you're insisting on selfish behavior in your marriage, selfish behavior which is causing protracted conflict. You are pushing your children to the edge of rebellion. And as soon as they get out of that house, they're going to rebel against that God, which they think that marriage represents. Respect your spouse enough to bring all arguments behind closed doors, by the way, out of hearing of your children. Listen, time with your kids, 
Very important. Not as important as time with your spouse. This becomes a huge issue in second marriages where one or both spouses brings in a child from a previous relationship. When there is marriage counseling of these couples, the issue favoring about favoring the biological child always front and center. But wait a second, legally those other children are not mine. It doesn't matter. Remember, you left the kingdom in which those laws applied. You respect them, but those laws don't govern your life anymore. Your life is um, governed by a new kingdom. And once the Bible says you became one flesh with that woman, those are your kids as much as your biological kids. Malachi 2.15, great verse. Let's continue. Hey, Tony, can you get me a little more, dude? <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, look at that. <laughs> Your life is an open Bible. One of the verses that, that open Bible is uh, Joshua 24.15. But as for me and my house, <laughs> we will serve the Lord. You guys have heard this verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What entertainment and music and extracurricular stuff are you allowing in your home? What entertainment and music and extracurricular stuff are you allowing your children to see? So I have a rule in my house, and please, you know, you're going to be listening to a few things today. Don't think they're laws. Don't let my conviction become your law. You need to seek the Lord. That's why we emphasize the Word of God. What God tells you how to do things is different than me, but I do not let my kids watch anything or listen to anything that I myself wouldn't. And that's, that's a simple rule that, that we have in, in our house. And, 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 you know, my standard is the Word of God. And, and, and our house is God's house. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Now, listen to this great quote. It's from Craig Castor. He's a pastor in the West, West Coast. Great, for, great quote. It's not what they're seeing in schools that's driving them to rebellion. It's what they're seeing on TV and music in their own home that are messing kids up. So listen to me. You know, I'm going to cross a line here, which I usually don't do, because I don't want you guys doing what I'm doing and creating some legalistic weirdness in this church. We're not about that. But I don't, let, I don't allow music in my home that's not Christian music. Now, l- let me explain why. Let me explain why I do that. It's not because I think all secular music is wrong. I, I have to remind my kids of that constantly. It's not. I, you know, and I debated whether even to say this, but I, I guess I go, oh, I, I will, just to prove my point. Look. I sang a secular song at a wedding once. And, and, you know, I, I was best man in this wedding, and they, the, the, the man who was my best friend asked me to do the wedding, but his wife blocked the whole thing because she was not a Christian. And it was a sensitive issue. I was asked to do the toast, and I decided to do a song instead. Have any of you ever heard Neil Young's Long May You Run? Some of you older people. (laughs) It's a song about a car. Neil Young sings it to his car. (laughs) Long may you run, long may you run, although these changes have come. With your chrome heart shining in the sun. 
Long may you run. Great song. It's a great song, and it's a secular song, but I, 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 and I, I don't per se would ever say don't listen to any secular music anywhere, but for our home, two reasons. One, I don't have the time for my kids to be coming up, what about this song, what about this song? I'll be doing nothing but judging songs. I, that's all I'll ever be doing at home. But the biggest, but the biggest thing is, the, is this. Music is a form of meditation. You don't just listen to a song and the thing goes away. You're chewing on the lyrics the rest of the day or the week or for months. And, and you know, crazy thing. A, a year ago or a couple years ago, the pastor of a church played a secular song. He had the band do it and everything in front of the church. And he wanted to do it in order to show how what the world is seeking in that song you can have in Christ. But the song remained in my mind nonstop for a whole year. Why did you do that to me? But, but anyway, it's a form of meditation. And there is so much poison. I dumped so much poison into my mind as a child, as a teenager with music. Why not use music as an opportunity for them to meditate on the Word of God? Why not do that? So anyway, that's, that, that's, that's what we decided to do, but that's not for every family, and I am totally okay. I'm not going to judge you. But seek the Lord on the matter because music is a powerful thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a part of who we are. Your life is an open Bible. One of the verses in that open Bible is Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. Well, guess what? One of your brothers, one of your sisters is, is who? Your children. They're your brothers in Christ. They're your sisters in Christ. And so some of you may be listening to me and you're thinking, this is like over-the-top pressure. How can I be an open Bible? This is crazy. He himself, this preacher guy said, it's Bible 1,600 pages. How can I do that? You can't. And, and your children, um, you will fail so many times, and your children will need to see you fail and how you respond to failure. And guess what? This is it. One of the most humbling things is going to your children and saying, I was wrong. If you grew up in a Christian home, you're not going to hear that too many times. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you did. But, but, but uh, uh, it's because it's, we don't, in the world, we don't see our children as brothers and sisters in Christ. They are. If they haven't come to the Lord, the Bible still says they are covered by your home. And in a sense, they are. So they're going to have to see that. Now, I, I usually try to ask my children for permission to use examples. Adlai, can I use the car example? So she, I just got permission. So just a couple weeks ago was my birthday. I don't advertise my birthday, by the way. But I, I, I went out at um, very late, at about 11 o'clock, to pray in my car. And uh, it was in my van. And um, after an hour, I, I fell asleep. I woke up at 1.30. So it's my birthday, 1.30 a.m. It's my birthday. Now, my wife and I have a running inside joke. Our birthdays don't go well. I, I mean, they just don't. And, and this is an example. So I'm parallel parking at where we were. We were on vacation. And the back of our van had a bike rack on it. And there was a pole. It, you know, the, the bike didn't have any bikes on it. So you've seen bike racks, right? They have that pole just sticking out. So I'm parallel parking. And I just rammed the front of my daughter's car. And it just cut right into her bumper. 
And I'm looking and I see, yeah, 1.30 a.m. on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, I looked out and it just cut right in. And Oh, man, I went to bed and I got up and I said, yeah, hey, Adley, uh, she said, happy birthday. I said, oh, well, thank you. Uh, I have, uh, I did something to your car, so we went out there, and she goes, yep, she goes, the whole bumper's going to have to be replaced. Uh, and I, and, and you know, I just got in the flesh, and I go, well, what about that other thing on the bumper, that other nick on the other side, and whatever, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, she got upset, and, and then I realized what I had done, and, and, and what I had made what was my problem, her problem. And I had just, I, I, and I just, I felt so low. I mean, it's, by the way, it's a whole other sermon. Your children will expose all the bad in you. I mean, and so I, I you know, and so just the stinginess of my heart, the stinginess of it, the, the, just the greed, the selfishness, the lack of love, I just felt so low. I, you know, I had to apologize. Then I sent her a text. I actually thanked her. Thank you for that because it, it, I, I need to continue seeing those things in our life. Your kids need to see this verse, how you respond to failure. I'm not saying, when I'm saying your life needs to be an open Bible, I'm not saying you, you need to you need to meet that standard perfectly. It will never happen. You'll fail every day. But they need to see the whole picture. So your life is an open Bible. Another Bible verse. Joshua 1.9 Be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid. So over 80 times in the Bible this phrase or something like it in, is used. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So fear, now this one is near and dear to my heart because I see so many in the body of Christ parenting and fear takes over, there's overprotection and the kids rebel. They try to protect their kid from every single conceivable thing because it did so much damage in their life. They need to protect it from everybody else's life. And so they try to keep their kids from everything. So I, I, I just, I, I just want to share briefly with you our experience in the Boston public schools, which we were told when we moved into Boston, they're going to, why are you doing that to your kids? I just want to share with you a little of our experience. Now, with our children, we did everything. We did homeschooling, private Christian, private secular and public, but mostly public schooling. And, you know, there's an expression, there's a verse I love. It's Psalm 144.1. Do we have that, Dave? And this is my philosophy on parenting. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. You're training your kids for war? That's what you're doing. Because we already discussed it. We're in a war. And... When they leave the home, they're going to be on this war alone. So, so many times I, I, I hear, you know, well, I'm going to send my kids to school and they're going to be trained that it's okay to have a same-sex marriage. It's, they're going to be trained that it's okay to believe in evolution, which, by the way, if we have any number of PhDs in our church, will tell you bad science, if you've never listened to that side of the argument, I would invite you to talk with me. They will learn that it's okay to embrace their whatever sexual identity and and so on and so forth. And I think to myself, how big is your God? Now, 
if you are training your and instructing your kids in the Lord and they hear that, why are they going to embrace it? Don't just assume that God is that small. Now, our children were so instructed in the Bible that the first time they started hearing about evolution and alternative genders and this stuff, they already were expecting it and already knew what the Bible said. Don't think you have so little influence over your children, they're just going to go immediately believe some stranger just because they look smart. That's not going to happen. Or I shouldn't say, sometimes it will. But, but you shouldn't just assume it will. It didn't with us. Our children were prepared. Now, I, I had the privilege of writing an article for a, a national Christian publication about this very issue. I'm going to email it to the whole church. And um, if you're not on the email list, just go to the church website and get on it. But it and it, and it just it, it fleshes this thing out more. And I'm not, you know, we homeschooled for many years, a number of our kids, wonderful calling. If it's private, secular or private Christian, go for it if that's what the Lord is telling you. But don't do it because of fear. Don't do it because of fear. Do it because the Lord is teaching you. In Boston, we were particularly blessed because we, there's a lottery system, and so you don't necessarily have to choose the school down your street, which sometimes, if there were certain schools down, and I had to send my kids there, they wouldn't have gone there. Because <laughs> my kids are not guinea pigs either for your ideals. But don't make decisions out of fear. Can we go back to the other verse? 80 times in the Bible, fear not so important. Now let me give just a, a whole other sort of side to that. I, I, you know, completely different kind of thing when it comes to fear. You know, I remember my son Sam, and many of you know Sam. I mean, he's 13 years old. We'd be driving down the street. He'd see a Lamborghini. That's the car I'm going to get as soon as I get out of the house. So how do I react? <laughs> my, my son is just going to be a pagan, you know. He's going to be riding around not caring about the Lord. And the Lord would say, come on. The, the Bible says there's foolishness hidden in the heart of a child. And over time, you know, that works its way out. Not that there's a law against Lamborghinis, but oh boy, you better pray about that one. Uh, anyway, but, but uh, uh, you know, so uh, don't always assume that. That what you see currently in your children is going to be what the end result is going to be. Don't assume that. But don't give in to fear. And do what the Lord has called you to do. So one of the things that the Lord has called us to do, and it was just a situation we were so blessed, and I do highly recommend this to you. I'm not saying this is for everyone, but you know, we took our kids on, on missions trips. And uh, some of you have heard this story, but um, just like to tell it again, you know, we started going to Haiti eight or nine years ago, and we started at a time where it was like incredible, uh, dangerous place to go to, and my daughter, again, this was Adlai, another Adlai story, she and I are going down there, and we stop in Miami Beach, my friend Robert, Pastor Robert in Miami, some of you know him, uh, met me at the airport for lunch, and he said, Steve, are you sure you know what you're doing going to Haiti? I said, oh, yeah, you know, why? There's a great work of God down there. And he goes, this guy was a chaplain at the FBI because what I am being told by the FBI is that they average one American kidnapped a month in Haiti. Did you know that? I said, maybe I should have researched this a little more. And so, I mean, that really, I, I, I was scared. Honestly, not about myself, but for my daughter. And, and so I, I go down there, and on the first night, 
3 o'clock in the morning, we're at some home, and all of a sudden, some dog starts barking like crazy. And I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. They're coming and getting my daughter and, and my wife. I'm going to go back home, and she's going to kill me. What? Why did you do this to my daughter? And I, can, I can't tell you what I... It was just a mouse or something. I don't know what it was, but, but you know, it wasn't a kidnapper. But, but listen, there, you do go into the travel warning, and it, it basically says, don't go there unless you absolutely have to. But the Lord had told me to go there. And so I had, had to come to this very, very difficult place in my, in my life. And it took really several years. And I, I still get very concerned that, look, I need to do what the Lord has called me to do. If God calls one of my children home, And it nearly happened on two occasions with two of them. When they were were outside the country on different mission stuff. Then I did it being faithful to the Lord. And And I'd rather have that happen than have them growing up rebelling against their father and against the God of their father. And I'm telling you, that's just a hard thing to do. But you've got to give your children to the Lord, and you can't give in to fear. Your life is an open Bible. Remember, we're talking about instruction in the Lord. We won't be too much longer. Thank you for your patience. John chapter 1, verse 16. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful verse. And of his fullness, we have all received, and grace for grace. And of his, whose fullness? Jesus' fullness. We have all received grace for grace. Now, what does that mean? Well, grace, what does it mean? It's getting what we don't deserve. It's getting what we don't deserve. And when Jesus went to the cross... It says that he died at a time you were an enemy to him. And he did it anyway. And he gave you what you absolutely can never or have ever deserved. He gave you a relationship with him, an abundant life. You deserved hell. He gave you heaven. A huge taste of it here on earth. And then without all this other stuff, in heaven for eternity. And you got to teach your kids this. Because listen, your kids, as well as all of us, from a very young age, they live in a grace-less world. In other words, everything you ever learn growing up is opposed to grace. You earn it. You earn your right from your mom to have more mushed up peas when you're six months you know you have to behave well in your kindergarten you have to behave good enough to get the reward uh, or to get honor roll or whatever you 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 go in your first job you have to do good enough for your everything's about being good enough but you can't be good enough for heaven you can't do that and you need to teach your children that and 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 there are there are just times in your life you're going to have to learn to figure out how to teach your children what I like to call extravagant grace. Uh, the pastor colleague of mine, I call him a colleague. I, 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 he's such a wonderful man of God. His, his name is Bob Caldwell. He's out in Idaho. He's just started about 100 churches in, in India. And I've ha- I had dinner with him a couple times. He's taught at a couple conferences, and I just picked his brains because his kids, like my kids, were in public schools. They all went on to walk with the Lord. I go, how, you know, how do you do this? And he just told me this crazy thing. He calls himself a grace-aholic. I think you guys have heard me talk about him before. but Because he, he, he loves grace, and he's, gonna t- he's told me something that some of you are going to misinterpret, and you're going to twist around, but don't do that. He, he, he told me that with his kids, with, particularly with his um, daughters, he, he was not an educated man, never went to college, couldn't get a good job. So he, he had that, Calvary Chapels all start off 
off most of them, almost all of them, with the pastor working at the same time as the church is starting. And what did he do? He, he cut wood and he was a laborer. There's a lot of wood out there in Idaho. <laughs> and, um, but he said this of his children, look, there's so many things in my children's life that they have to do that other kids um, don't have to do. And there's so many things they can't do that other, things, uh, other kids can. I just decided that my kids, my daughters, would always get the best clothes. So he went out and he worked like a madman. And they were always, they walked into school with the best clothes on, most expensive clothes. And he just did that because he wanted to teach them about grace. Now, listen, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't do that for my kids. I've been called to do that for my kids. It wouldn't be a good idea for my kids because they're not, their last name isn't Caldwell. I mean, he, he, he did it for his kids. My kids' last names are, are Cole. But getting that opportunity, whatever it is, you know, it's a goofy little thing, but with my kids, um, we have, you know, when we're on, I go down on missions trips and, uh, and I'm stopping off in different cities and I, I take, always take one of my my children. What I do, uh, oftentimes I'm in Miami because that's where my father lives and we rent a car. I get this mean old convertible thing. Uh, not with church money, by the way. I have to pay this on my own. But uh, I, I get this cool convertible, you know, this hot rod. So this little beautiful little cupcake next to me driving and we're driving around in this thing and just teaching them grace, extravagant grace. It's another little thing on this because it's, it's so important. You also need to teach them how to give grace. Some of you have heard this story. We were in New York City. Yeah, I have to go there from time to time. Oh, I wouldn't live there, but I do love going to New York City. I really do. But you know how people are in New York. We're mean here in Boston. They're 10 times more mean there. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, so we're in a restaurant for breakfast, and there's this woman, and, you know, she, she had already picked up all the New York stuff. She was mean. Oh, this one was mean. Yeah, I know, I know. Praise the Lord. You, but you're a Christian. Uh, anyway. Um, anyway, let, 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 let me finish off here. And so this woman, she was mean, and it's like, okay, we're in New York. And you know, I, say, I try to be nice. So, so anyway, uh, uh, ma'am, so where are you from? I hate when people ask me that. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Uh, you know, I, 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 and she was just like this the whole time. And I said, what do I do here? My kids are here. This is an opportunity. So we gave her a 70% tip, and we left. Now, don't twist that around. I, 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 I understand that you don't want to reward bad behavior. But, but your salvation, instead of a punishment, God gave you a reward. He gave you the reward that Jesus got for being faithful, and now you're co-heirs with Christ. What all that means, I do not know. But you have to look for opportunities to teach your children that. Grace. Extravagant grace. It's hard for a stingy guy like me. Let's move on. Uh, Mark 10, 14. Your life is an open Bible. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When, the, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Are you approachable as a parent? Do your kids want to be with you? Now, I know there should be a healthy fear. There should be of parents. There should be a healthy spirit-led fear towards that and a respect. But you need to be approachable. You know, when I have um, my office, the church office, my office is on the fourth floor of our house, and um, the door, I spend a lot of time in there. You know, our kids are, have, and wife, have, there's been a big sacrifice over the years because I'm in there with a closed door a lot. But I, I remember some of you have heard this story too, but remember when my youngest was 12, I have five kids. Um, it occurred to me, I never remember once my kids knocking on the door. I mean, they just barge in. 
They barge in, they find out where I've decided we're going to go to, uh, to dinner, and they'll just barge in. We're not going to dinner there. I hate that place. <laughs> and, and, or, or whatever. And, 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 but but I, I had thought about that, and, and I'm like, and I understand this may not be for you. I get that. But I just, I just, I just said, that's just a really cool thing. And I remember a while later, I don't remember what it was, one of them, uh, all of a sudden, the, the, the doors closed, and I heard the door knock for like the first time ever. And, and I said, okay, come in. And, and, and one of my daughters came in, my youngest daughter, uh, Faith, and I said, Faith, is, is everything okay? <laughs> I, I, and I told her, you don't have to knock before coming in here. And again, this is not a rule. This may not be a rule for you, but, but the other part of this is bring the little children uh, to Jesus. It, 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 notice how it says um, to place their hands. It says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was mad. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Don't make it hard for them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The other thing is, listen, your, your children need to have a voice in your home. Your children need to have a voice in your home. If there's a major family decision, they need to be a part of it. Now, the problem I see in many families is that their children don't not only have a voice in their home, their children run the home. And that's a, that's a tragedy. And the kids are just going to rebel when they get out of the home, when they run the home. But your, your, your kids, you, you need to get their opinions, and many times the Spirit of God is working through them, especially when it comes to uh, where you go out to eat at night. But anyway, um, but, but, but the, you, 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 the Spirit is, I, I, in all seriousness, working through them. But don't, don't let them make the decision. You know, I'm so thankful for my own father. He, um, when I was 16, in 11th grade, I was in Florida, Someone had, some completely random dude asked him, in, to, asked him out to uh, dinner. He didn't even know this guy. Didn't even know him. And the guy was a really important guy. It's like three or four levels above my father in the particular position he was in. And this guy witnessed to my, my father and asked him, why do you make the decisions you make? Is it because of God? And my dad's like, what on earth is this? It's the craziest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. But he started, you know, wondering, well, okay. And in Florida, he comes to us one day and he says, I've deci- I'm, a, I'm a junior in high school. He says, I've decided to move to South America in my junior year. And so many times I listen to parents, their kids are in ninth grade or something, and they're like, oh, we can't move, my kids need to graduate from high school. Maybe, but really? Is that really? We moved to Venezuela, South America, and that's where we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time. My father got saved, I got saved, my brothers um, all came to the Lord eventually, and we're all serving the Lord today. Don't let your children run your home. And so the last thing, your life is an open Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Look, your children, if they haven't uh, driven you to your knees um, already, it'll happen. And guess what? That's a great thing. It's part of your social... You and me, we're so stubborn... We need children in our lives to drive us to our knees. To drive us to our knees. And life, and God wants to be pulled into every single area of our life, including children. Okay. We can close the service now. Ask the worship team to come up. Again, Psalm 127 is one of, we quoted it before. It's such a wonderful psalm. Unless the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who build it? But then it goes on and says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. 
the fruit of the womb is a reward. And it is true, they're a blessing. And so as we close out the service, I just, I just want to ask if you are a parent here, if you could please stand up. If you could please stand up if you're a parent. So look at the people around you, and as we close in this worship song, I would like to, I'd like you to pray for them. So if you're new, what, what I'd like to do now, you, you don't have to, there's no pressure here, but if you see someone standing that's around you, go to them and pray for them, and pray along the lines of what, what we had been, uh, we've just been, uh, been teaching about. And if no one's praying for you, would you, would you raise your hand? If no one's praying um, for you, would you raise your hand at the time of prayer? So why don't everyone get up? And let's just, as this, in this closing worship song, let's, let's pray for these parents. And, and parents, you, again, you may want to, to raise your hand. But as we close the service, let's do that. Let me just close in prayer.